KXNO. Ken Miller, Trent Condon. They are Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome in. It's Miller and Condon on a Tuesday. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Glad you're with us and uh, with us uh, for the next hour before we uh, turn it over to my partner, Trent Condon. He's got some uh, high school baseball action on the radio today coming up at uh, 11 o'clock uh, Van Meter and I-35. We will have the play-by-play from Principal Park of that one here today as we continue our high school coverage in its baseball season and we get an opportunity. I'm uh, going to take advantage of it. So high school baseball on the air today coming up at 11. Busy show and only an hour to get there uh, through it. So let's get right to it. Brandon Hurley, I want to give this kid some love. Mentioned it yesterday on the program uh, that there is one local uh, media uh, entity that has made its way to at least to Toronto to cover the uh, the series with the local kid Nick Nurse from Carroll, uh, coaching as we know. Uh, Brandon Hurley is with the sports editor of the Jefferson Herald and assistant sports editor of the Carroll Daily Times Herald. Nick Nurse's hometown newspaper was in the building last night covering it, and by golly, I'm a newspaper guy, and I want to give this kid some love in an era where. You know, we know the cuts that are happening, unfortunately, in the newspaper business. And our friend John Bowen Camp, the latest to feel that uh, sting, if you will, on Friday. Uh, he lost his gig after at the Burlington Hawk after being there a long, long time. Uh, so when we get an, uh, an opportunity to focus on some of the good things newspaper-wise with some of these small-town papers, I'm going to do it. By golly, and uh, Brandon Hurley is going to join us from Toronto in about 15 minutes or so. Zubin Mahanti will close out the show before we turn it over to Trent. And speaking of which, let's go to Principal Park as he joins the program. You all set up there. I saw the picture from the uh, press box. Ready to go at 11. How are you? I'm doing well, Ken. And for the first time, I get to call the game from the home box today. Uh, I've been set up in the past over on the visitors radio booth today on the home side of things. So excited to be in the big booth that uh, well, plenty of great uh, voices have come through throughout the years here at Principal Park. The latest is Alex Cohen, but happy to be up here and looking forward to some baseball here this afternoon. Though we do have some overcast skies, radar does appear to be good to go and we'll be ready to roll right at 11 o'clock. Oh, good. I uh, look forward to hearing it. Uh, Trent, I want to just start the show just by Barstool Sports. I, I know very little about them, but um, they, they've put out a... Look, I'm not making excuses for what happened with, with some quotes, some of the people that were in the Scotiabank last night when Kevin Durant let, went down. But Barstool Sports, I don't know if you've seen it, put out a Photoshop of a, of a bar scene from the, from the World Cup from whenever it was, last year or two years ago. And then they, on the screen they put Kevin Durant going down. And it looks as though the, the bar is going crazy when, uh, uh, in reaction to Kevin Durant getting getting hurt. And Fran Fischil, of all people, the latest to fall for this, and he's got a gazillion Twitter followers. I mean, I, I guess that's what Barstool Sports do. But, folks, if you see it, it's it's Photoshopped, a video shop, whatever you call it. It is not legitimate. Uh, anyways, um, Trent, let, let's get into the game itself. Okay. Um, look, Nick Nurse is going to take a lot of criticism today, and rightly so, for his uh, his god awful decision not not to call a timeout, but back to back timeouts 
uh, with 3.05 left in the game with seemingly all the momentum, not on his team side, on his star player's side, as Kawhi Leonard couldn't miss at the time. He was absolutely on fire. Meanwhile, Gordon, Golden State, their legs were going. Toronto looked as though with three minutes left in the game, I get it's only a six-point lead, but they looked as though they were going to go on and win their first championship uh, for that franchise. Selfishly, I'm glad they didn't because I want Game 6 and Game 7. No, I don't think we're going to get it to Game 7, but more about that probably tomorrow because I don't want to focus a ton on that. But I'll say this. Nick Nurse did not do his team any favors for the simple reason. I mean, Clay Thompson's gassed. Steph Curry's got nothing left. And back-to-back calls for to, to call those timeouts. I get it. If you don't use them, you're going to lose them because you can only carry two timeouts into the final three minutes of an NBA game. I thought that was a rookie coach mistake. Certainly seemed that way, Ken. And it was a game that I mean, it could have gone a couple of different ways. I understand the some of the frustrations that are there for Nurse. One angle to this that I hadn't seen many places today Somebody had mentioned, though, I think it was Bill Simmons, that he believed that he saw that it was Kyle Lowry that wanted one of those timeouts. In fact, the first of the two timeouts, he wanted that timeout. Could have been a rest kind of thing. Could have been, I got something, I just need a quick breather, and we're not going to go to the bench here. So regardless of that, though, it is the head coach. He is going to get all the arrows that are slung that way. It felt like this was going to be an NBA championship for Toronto. It seemed like after that comeback down 14, every single time throughout the first three quarters that the Warriors would go on their own, a run, Toronto would come back, and it was just a, this back-and-forth affair, though not on the scoreboard back-and-forth. Big run one way, double-digit lead for the Warriors. Here come the Raptors, mm-hmm. cut it back to four, and back-and-forth seemingly for two straight quarters. When Toronto finally overcame them, and even before they got to the six-point lead, I thought it was over, Ken. And this mm-hmm. series... I did too. I've been dead wrong I don't know how many times. This this series, I'm struggling with. I can't get a game right. <laughs> well, you're not alone. You're not alone. Look, it was um, Golden State, give them all the credit in the world. That's a champion. That is a true champion. And we saw it late in the game with their two stars on the floor. Even throughout the game, I mean, how about the lift that, uh, that Cousins gave this team in his limited minutes, Trent? He was, what, five or six in the... In the and how many minutes did he play? Eight minutes, I think, in, in the first half and then kept it going in the four or five and then six out of seven at one point for Cousins, who was just terrific, uh, in the basketball game. Finished six out of eight last night, gave him a huge lift. Obviously, Draymond Green, his block of Lowry at the end of the game there, not allowing that three pointer. Look, Kawhi Leonard was double teamed. I have no problem with him not being the guy and trying to play hero ball at that point. Sure. You, I mean, he's not going to pass up his shot if he thinks he can get his shot obviously he didn't think he could this is what makes him the star that he is you know he's he's willing to you know to share the glory if you will now it didn't turn out that way uh but give draymond green a ton of credit for just getting a fingertip on that lowry perspective game winner uh at the end there that would have sent uh, toronto uh into its first championship but we get a game six trent selfishly i'm okay with this no no doubt you know the the last two possessions too for golden state after they make the run Clay three, Steph three, Clay three. Yeah. You're Toronto. That was right after the back to back timeouts. You can't allow those two guys. Those are the two guys that can score mm-hmm. on this team with no KD. Those are the guys you worry about. Yeah, Cousins had his moments, but their final two possessions end offensive goaltend. What backcourt violation? And that was the right call, by the way. And Draymond Green, I don't know what he was thinking on the backcourt violation. You're 100% yeah. right. 
he got bumped there, and I guess he was anticipating maybe they were going to call a foul there, so he tried to sell it a little bit, whatever it was. They weren't buying, and then... And to their thought, credit, Trent, they never went to the video. No, not at all. No, it, it was foot's on the line, pretty easy one. They went right back to it. But I thought the most egregious of the calls, I'm with you, offensive goaltend, there wasn't enough there Mm-mm. to overturn that nope. one. The over and back is what was on the line. That's over and back. But the offensive, the moving screen against Cousins... Yeah. That possession, right? We we talk about this a lot, and there are varying levels of it. Mm-hmm. What you call in the final seconds of a game compared to what you call in the first five minutes of the game, and on and on and on. They don't call that. The NBA as a whole, they don't make that call. Officials don't make that call unless you're tackling a guy coming mm-hmm. through a screen. They're not going to call it, and that is exactly what Cousins. Go back and watch Kyle Lowry's last shot. You'll see Marcus All. Literally pulling a defender backwards <laughs> towards the hoop. Now, I never that was saw trying that. to get to the corner. I was watching the ball. And, I never saw that. And got and tried <laughs> to get funny. out there to Lowry. Of course, no call there. But to call that in that spot, I thought of everything. That was the worst that I saw from the officials. I get it. Yes, it, it's a foul. It's called during most parts of the game. There, that the NBA. This is yeah. them. This is not me. In my opinion, the NBA, the officiating as a whole, don't make that call. They made it there, and that one left a sour taste in my mouth. No, I'm with you, Trent. I thought it was going to decide a series. I really did that yep. late in the basketball game, and I thought it was uh, one of those ones that, as you said, I'm not even sure that it should have been called at another point in the game. I get your point that, yeah, by the by the letter of the law, it's a foul, but you know what? If they wouldn't have called it at the 12-minute mark of the or whatever, the eight-minute mark of the of the second quarter, I, I would have been fine with it, not called at that point as well. Well, Durant, Trent, the uh, uh, as we saw, you know, the talker coming out today, he's letting his team down. This guy, he's got no, he's got no, you know what's, he's already looking forward to his next stop. He's going to cash in. He doesn't want to get any, uh, hurt anymore. Uh, this guy has no heart, blah, blah, blah. Well, he plays last night. And this was a perfect example of a guy that, you know, that was, I don't even know if he heard the, the chatter that was out there. I mean, it'd be, it'd be almost be impossible not to, but for him to give it a go with his team on the brink, down 3-1, to give it a go, and then for it to end up the way that it did with his Achilles clearly torn, uh, and that puts next year in jeopardy, uh, as we know. Um, I, I get it. He shouldn't have played. I mean, he, sh- he shouldn't have played, but you understand why he did. I saw Damian Woody, former uh, NFL player with the Jets, and he was talking about how his career ended, and it was just like this. He came back too early from an injury, tore his Achilles, and his career was over. I don't think that's going to be the case for Kevin Durant. I don't think this is a career ender by any means. Different parts, different sports of their career, certainly, but you're right. He's more than likely going to be out all of next season. I wonder if this does change the narrative, though, a little bit about Kevin Durant, a guy that... Certainly does with me, Trent. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I have never been a fan of him ever since the move from OKC. I was a big fan of him in Oklahoma mm-hmm. City, but the, the decision to leave to go to a 73-win team, a team that had already won a title, that was already stacked up, it didn't sit right with me. And then you couple it with what we've seen the last couple of years, very angry at times, just difficult to please... You know who he reminds me of, and I've said it before. He's Bill Russell. 
He mm. reminds me completely yeah. of Bill Russell. He's quiet. We don't get him. We don't get Bill Russell. I, I don't think, and I don't. I'm not sitting here claiming Bill Russell played in the '60s. I, I don't. Mm, right. I didn't watch NBA in the '60s. But knowing, they even kind of look at their mannerisms are very similar. Yes, I get that's true. Yeah, uh, that, that's he reminds. But but to your point, I'm with you. He, um, I think he changed a lot of opinions, uh, people's opinion of him as a player and as a person with him trying to gut it out and be there for his team, and he's going to pay a significant price. He is. Now, I would guess more than likely he's still going to get a big deal. Player option, I don't know if that's still on there. Contract aside, though, to the here and now and him, it changes things. But one of my biggest takeaways away from the game, of course, KD injury is going to be at the top of that list. But the reaction after the game, Steph Curry, when he's sitting there and talking to Doris Burke afterwards, and he said, I'm sorry, I'm rambling here. My mind's in a million different directions. And it felt like he was also almost going to tear up there. Seeing the GM uh, for Golden State, he was tearing up yeah. after the game talking yeah. about it. This was something inside of the game you could tell, just how much it hurt these guys. And somebody that we've all talked about, you know, Kevin Durant, what kind of teammate is he, all these different mm-hmm. things. You know, him and Draymond going back and forth earlier this season, what did that mean? Was he really considered part of this team? I think changes that narrative too and and showed me at, at least that I think my perception of him was really wrong in Kevin Durant as a whole. Yeah, you're, and, you're, and you're not alone, Trent Condon. All right, we're going to take a timeout. Again, I wanna, we're going to give this kid some love. He deserves it. He's in Toronto. What if he's going to stay? Mm, yeah. I mean, wonder if he's going to stay, right? Because well, to a- stay till Sunday night, I don't know how much the Jefferson Herald and the Carroll Daily Times Herald budget is. Right. Because <laughs> uh, uh, it's, I mean, I don't know. It's, you get the, the, the exchange rate. It's you, Your dollar up there is worth a buck thirty. The American dollar is worth a dollar thirty Canadians, but still. That's a long time to be waiting. Maybe he can. He's a younger guy. They he's not going to come host- home and go back in two days. I no. wouldn't think. <laughs> is there a youth hostel in in Toronto oh, that I'm can sure stay for is. twenty bucks a night or something like uh, that? There, there has to be. We'll find yeah. out next. We're going to talk to Brandon Hurley. He's covering it for his hometown paper. I think that's cool, and we're going to have him on to talk about that. Zuma Mahente in twenty minutes. Miller and Con until eleven. Then high school baseball. It's Des Moines Sports Station fourteen sixty. <laughs> Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Con to Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Portions of the program brought to us by Dr. Stephen Fuller. If you're in the market for a new dentist or you're new to the central Iowa area, a couple of locations, fullerdental.net online, by the way. There you can find all the patient forms in advance of uh, your appointment. Uh, fullerdental.net, the locations, East 29th Street in Des Moines and 410 8th Street Southwest in Altoona, now accepting new patients. My dentist, Dr. Stephen Fuller. Let's head north, shall we? He's Brandon Hurley. He's covering the series, at least game five. We'll see how far he's going to stay or how long he's going to stay writes he's the sports editor for the jefferson herald as well as the assistant editor at the carroll daily times herald that nick nurse's hometown newspaper brandon i'm a newspaper fanatic i love it i hope they're here the rest of my life i fear that they won't be i think it's so cool that you're up there representing the uh, nick nurse's hometown and i believe you have to be the only iowa media member uh, that's uh, present how are you brandon thanks for coming on trent condon and ken miller I'm doing quite well. Thanks a lot, guys, for having me on. I really appreciate it. Now, glad to have you. So, um, 
you know, just uh, what made you jump in the car and drive 16 hours? And I give full credit to your newspaper for, uh, you know, for green lighting this project. I think it's great that you're able to chronicle for the folks back home, Nick's hometown, uh, just what one or their own is doing and attempting to do. And you were there at all the press conferences uh, yesterday and then following the game, both uh, pre and then post game, really allowing those people to get a sense of what it's really like. Full credit to your papers, Brandon. Well, yeah, thank you. And you mentioned that drive. It was a long one, to say the least. Once you, once you hit Detroit, it gets, there's <laughs> nothing up there in Canada. You just, you're going three and a half hours to Toronto. So, but it, it was, it was definitely worth it. I, I was considering maybe going to Toronto during the finals. I hadn't really thought about it too seriously. But when the Raptors took that 3-1 series lead, I was like, holy crap, they could, the Raptors could really win the title. And the guy leading the team at, of a, the coach is Nick Nurse from Carroll. So I'm like, this is a once-in-a-lifetime story. I mean, there's probably never ever another time that a guy from Carroll is going to be coaching an NBA, tie, t- NBA championship. So I, I figured, hey, this is a chance for to get really deep access. I have a, I've covered several Raptors games in the past with, uh, with Nick Nurse covered. So I have a decent relationship with their PR department. Just put in a couple emails saying, hey, can I get credentials for the game? And by Saturday night, I was credentialed. So I was like, well, looks like I'm going to Toronto. So, yeah, it's just it's just a tremendous story. I mean, yeah, I mean, Nick's career is really detailed. I don't know how much you want me to go into detail, but, I mean, it's just awesome. It's an awesome story that people deserve to hear. It is an awesome story. And another thing about this is that Carroll community. You know, I've seen it here in Des Moines and just the Carroll people that you run into. I'm from a small town in North Iowa, and, and I think small town people, they love their hometown. It just seems like Carroll, those people are at a different way. So now one of their own on the precipice of winning an NBA title. It's got to be nuts back home there in Carroll. Yeah, it really is. They had a they had a, a viewing party last night at Kerps, and I'm which is a local bar in Carroll, and I'm sure they had many other viewing parties. Um, I know the uh, most of the Nick, Nick, most of the Nurse family was actually in Toronto last night mm. at the game, and I, one of his uh, former teammates, actually Frank Molak yeah. from Kemper, he actually was there with a customized Nick Nurse Kemper jersey <laughs> at the game. So I spotted him. I'd never met him before, but I spotted him across the court, and I was like, "Hey, I recognize that jersey." <laughs> So I ran across and talked to him, and he informed me that there was a bunch of people from Carroll there in Toronto. So, I mean, you're right. It's it's a crazy town, and they're, they're going pretty nuts for him. And it wasn't lost on uh, Raptor superfan Drake, who who posed for a picture with Frank. Yes, he did. <laughs> that's, that's outstanding. Yeah. Uh, Brandon Hurley is our guest, Brandon. So um, t- take us take us into the building. Give me a sense, because it's a big talker here today, and you know the, the, the entire country of Canada is getting blamed for uh, as collectively standing up as one and cheering when Nick Nurse, or Nick Nurse, when Kevin Durant uh, popped his Achilles, and I believe that that's the, uh, that's the word we're going to get today, that it is fully blown Achilles. But what, what percentage, it's hard to give percentage, but it certainly wasn't everyone in the building. I love what the Raptors players did by you know by trying to get the folks to calm down the ones that were cheering for for this you know maybe the best player in the nba getting hurt but did you sense was it a good per, a large percentage of the fan base that at least when it happened uh began to cheer that um the game's best player was in agony on the floor 
honestly, it was it was a really strange moment when it happened. It was kind of hard to tell what was going on because all of a sudden, play stopped. Players started walking around the court. Nobody was really saying anything, and then the fans started cheering. And it was just it was a, it was a weird, surreal type, eerie moment because. At first, I was confused what happened, and then I asked someone, they're like, oh, that's KD that's injured down there. And and then it clicked in my mind, I'm like, why the heck are they cheering? And so it was just overall, it was very confusing. I don't know how many people were cheering, but yeah. And then it developed into a KD chant, which at first I thought they were mocking him, but it was more of a, it was, that was after Lowry and Kawhi told the crowd to calm down. So that, yeah, it was it was a really strange moment. Everybody was confused, and no, the PA announcer wasn't saying anything either, which got me more even more confused. And there was no there's no TVs up in the press box, so I couldn't mm. see what was going on. So yeah, it was just a strange moment. And then and then Bob Myers, the president of the Warriors, had a press conference after the game, and that was weird. It was it was strange. He was he was very 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 emotional. For about the first 30 seconds of the press conference, he said nothing. He just sat there trying to collect his thoughts, fighting back tears. And the thing that stuck out to me most was he mentioned several times how how misunderstood Kevin Durant is as a person. And you could tell that he, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, really have connected with Kevin Durant, and it really hurt them that he went down like that. Talking right now with Brandon Hurley. He covered Game 5 for the Carroll newspaper, and he joins us here today on Miller & Condon. So what's next? Uh, what is it from Toronto to Oakland? What are you looking at, about a 29-hour drive? <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it might take me a few days. Uh, I'm, I'm hanging around here until at least Thursday. I might hang around Thursday night and just go watch, maybe try to get into Jurassic Park, their big watch party oh, area, man. and see if I can take in that game. And if the Warriors end up winning, I'm, I mean, I think I feel like I'm obligated to stay till yeah, Sunday good. just to cover that game seven. But I mean, it, it's not anything for sure. That's I mean, it's still the, the crappy thing about the NBA finals is they stretch it out so far. And so it's only Tuesday right now. And so that's just a long time to hang out here. But I mean, I think I made the drive. So I think. I'm pretty obligated to keep staying. Yeah, I, I think that's the right move. And sadly, I mean, not that the Blue Jays are any good, but I think they're on the road too. So you can't even catch a, a, a major league game, well, with AAA players in, on Toronto's uh, in Toronto's dugout. But uh, nonetheless, well, Brandon, listen again. Full credit to uh, uh, to your newspapers for uh, allowing you to get out there and to bring this story and to kind of uh, bring it close to home. Carol Daily Times Herald and Jefferson Herald. Is your work online? I'm, I'm assuming that uh, that those uh, papers can be read online, but I guess I don't know the truth. I guess I don't know. Um, is there a website we can go to read your work and continue to follow the coverage uh, for those people from Carroll that might uh, be uh, listening here in Central Iowa? Yeah, there is actually. Uh, the Carroll website is carolspaper.com, all one word, and all I think all my uh, Nick Nurse coverage is up there. And so we've written obviously several stories throughout the year, the last few years, and you can also follow me on twitter it's just brandon j hurley and if people were following me last night i kind of took the coverage overboard just took the opportunity to tweet out lots of videos lots of pictures whatever i mean because like you guys said it's a unique experience for people to to get a glimpse into that so i figured hey keep going so that's what if you guys want to follow along go follow me on twitter or check out our website 
Absolutely. And, uh, we'll have stuff in the paper, too. That's great stuff. Brandon, again, uh, maybe a once-in-a-lifetime story for you to cover. Uh, good for you. Good for your newspaper for sending you there, and you're doing the right thing if you stay until Sunday, if indeed there is uh, a Game 7. Brandon, thank you. Enjoy your stay in uh, my home and native land, uh, Toronto in, in Canada. Thanks, Brandon. Appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you guys very much for having me on. Yeah, good to talk to you. Brandon Hurley uh, from the Carroll Daily Times, Harold Jefferson Herald. Good story, Trent Condon. That's an awesome story. That That is just one of those moments. Uh, I got that moment earlier this year. I told you with the Final Four, that was mm-hmm. number one on my list. I know Brandon uh, is a big basketball fan on top of it. You know, speaking of the crowd, we talked about you know what happened there during the KD injury and, and great work out of the Raptors' plans, kind of getting people settled down there a little bit. But just as a whole, and maybe that's clinching games, and sometimes I forget about that, that crowd, it was a different kind of vibe. I don't know if it was something Canadian about it, but hmm. even during the second, third quarters, as the Warriors were up during a lot, uh, big portions of that, there, were just, there, there was this murmur throughout the crowd. It, it reminded me a lot of Game 7s, and you kind of just get that different kind of vibe. Really felt that last night. Were you able to pick that up at all, Ken? No, uh, I guess I really not not uh, maybe to the extent you did. I'm, I'm glad you tweeted out the the anthem. I thought that was really well done. Yes, uh, as well. I, I love that. Uh, I love my anthem. I really do. I forget uh, how much I love it. It's been here so darn long. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, let's take a time out. Get Zuba Mahenti in here. We'll get his thoughts. We've got high school baseball coming up here at 11 today. So only 25 minutes or so left in the program. Glad you're with us. It's Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station. 1460 in Hawaii. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. High school baseball coming up at the top of the hour. Van Meter and I-35. Trent has the call on that one. Uh, live from Principal Park. Let's get Zuba Mahente in here. Don't want to waste any time. Uh, let's get right to him. Zubin, uh, Trent and Ken, thanks for coming on. How are you, Zub? Doing well. Remember the last time I heard I-35? When I say Trent, I called the Roadrunners high school football game. Let's call it almost 20 years ago. It's been a long time <laughs> since I've heard I-35 furrow. Good memory. The Roadrunners. One of the best mascots here uh, across the state of Iowa. Love the name and uh, the school name to go along with it. A perfect marriage there with those two. No doubt. Zubin, let's get uh, to what we saw last night. And let's start, first of all, with Kevin Durant. And should he, have or sh- should he or shouldn't he have? As it's easy to say now that, of course, he shouldn't have played. He tore his Achilles, you idiot. Um, but the, at the time, Zubin, is you, you, you heard the chatter the, the week, the, the playoffs, and he kept, he kept missing games and missing games. Now they're down 3-1. Doesn't have much heart. He's already checked out. He's waiting for, you know, before he becomes a New York Nick. That's where his focus already is. Well, he shows up last night with his team in a hole, played outstanding basketball when he was on the floor. He was the best player on the floor. And then we see what happened. Is this a case, Zubin, of an athlete that, just uh, uh, let his maybe his heart uh, take over for what uh, should have been listening to his head and stayed out because no one knows his body as well as he does, obviously. True. I think, though, I'm going to put this more on the training staff, uh, the new training staff. Uh, the Warriors have a little bit of a turnover there. It's an underreported story, and that's one of the things about these finals that isn't really a talker on TV, but if you follow the league and follow some of the stories on the off days, the Warriors have a brand-new training staff. They had a trainer last year that went to the Atlanta Hawks as some of their front office departed last year. 
from Golden State to Atlanta. And Toronto's team doctor, Dr. Alex McKechnie, has been getting a lot of praise. Yes, he has. Kawhi in shape after missing 22 games to the load management. So I think there's an aspect there that has to be determined because I don't think Kevin Durant, it was pretty clear the Warriors said, would only be able to go if the team medical staff cleared him. And last night after the game, in one of the more incredible, surreal press conferences you'll ever see, Warriors general manager Bob Myers was seemingly at a loss for words. Looked like he walked up there with a prepared statement. We were doing it on our post-game show. We were on until 1.30 a.m. Eastern time because there were so many people that wanted to say things about Kevin Durant, particularly his teammates. And then he just spoke from the heart, and he essentially said, if you have to blame somebody, blame me because I'm the head of basketball operations. I think that was just probably just to take a couple of arrows here and there. But I won't put this on Durant as much as I would put this on the medical staff having the final word of him being able to go. And my one big takeaway from last night was there was one word that Bob Myers, the GM, used to describe Kevin Durant. I don't know if you saw this post-game press conference. He said, Kevin Durant is one of the most misunderstood players mm-hmm. in the game. And I think what that came to fruition last night was simply the idea that two days ago, three days ago, the idea after the Warriors lost that game in Oakland where Curry had 47 and the game that the Raptors won to get themselves on the brink where people said, you know, deep down Kevin Durant is probably enjoying this. You know, keep deep down Kevin Durant probably can play but doesn't want to play. And I think after he scored 11 points in 12 minutes and then at 9.49 in the second quarter suffered that injury, anybody who thought that Kevin Durant was somehow enjoying this or was somehow benefiting from this or somehow was seeing his stock rise in light of his team suffering, that's what I think uh, Myers meant in terms of being misunderstood. Everybody had all these theories about him. And last night, with one crushing injury, I think a lot of people were proven wrong on what they thought about Kevin Durant. It's just a shame that it took something dire like that for people to realize. You know, and that's another angle to this is the reaction to his teammates, the reaction to Steph Curry even after the game as he's talking to Doris Burke. And you mentioned with Myers in the postgame press conference, and it went on and on and on here. I was right there with him. I misunderstood didn't like the way that he went to Golden State, didn't like some of the actions that we saw from him, just seemed like such a bitter guy. Just a personality type that I think as sports fans maybe is more difficult to get a read on. Just Kevin Durant, it's about basketball, and he has basketball nirvana in Golden State, and maybe that's going to change his future too when you think of it in a different way than just the way he's been portrayed here over the last couple of years. I think that's fair. You know, he's got the player option for 31 and a half, which will probably decline under all circumstances. And no matter how this MRI comes back and people are expecting the worst, in fact, Myers, as Ken mentioned, said it was an Achilles. Um, We'll wait to see the exact severity on what that is. But you're in a situation here where at some point you have to think about it from the Knicks perspective and say they're not going to obviously hold back, but they'll have to wait to see exactly when, if this is a dire straight situation, when they actually get, the Kevin Durant they were hoping for. He is 30 years old. He's missed significant time with a toe injury. He's missed significant time with other injuries. Obviously, this would be the most challenging he's coming back for. But the one thing I would tell you that I thought when I was doing the postgame last night, the, the, the comments that really got me, there were two things. One was a minor one in which a lot of the players seemingly, I guess, hit their boiling point with some of the fans and the criticism, and it all boiled over with Kevin Durant. When Steph Curry, during his postgame press conference, he was effusive in his praise of Kevin Durant, as was Iggy, as was Clay Thompson. And Steph Curry said, you know what? 
we're done. Our legacy is secure. We're done proving things to people. We're mm-hmm. done with that. Yep. Uh, we don't have to prove anything to anybody anymore, which is an odd thing to say, being down 3-2 in the NBA Finals uh, with a series win that could give you four titles in five years. But I think even he, who is pretty mild-mannered and jovial, was just so tired of hearing all the negativity. And uh, Clay Thompson, who is, is a, basically as calm and as serene as the guy you're going to get, some people say he's even devoid of personality. And the final question in his press conference, somebody asked him, do you think that the whole storyline of the division of the team, the division that is Kevin Durant versus the rest of the team, do you think that came to an end because of the way you guys have rallied around Kevin Durant and the way Kevin Durant went out there and basically put his health on the line for you guys? And Clay Thompson said, anybody who thinks that is an idiot, that there was any sort of division within the team. And that's a really strong word for Clay Thompson to use because he's not known as that sort of guy. Clay used the words bigger than basketball. Andre Iguodala used the words more than basketball. And both of them are trying to portray the fact that most people just look at the Warriors as a basketball team. And there seems to be some level of surprise when Steph Curry escorted uh, back to the locker room. Mm -hmm. When Andre Iguodala escorted him back to the locker room. And Curry just essentially said, like, somebody asked him why you did that. I mean, he had to leave the game to do that. Um, And he said, I don't know. I'm a person. It was Mm. a human aspect of me. It was the right thing to do. And I think both guys were trying to hit a nerve, and I don't know if the trolls had finally got to them, but you could sense there was a crescendo point last night with the treatment of Durant, particularly from the fans initially when some of them were cheering, that the team was just so tired of having to put up with the negative criticism all the time, and it spewed over in manifesting with Durant. It was just a place I had not seen Curry and um, – Thompson go before. I had seen Nicky go there because he's more of a veteran and he's been on losing teams and he understands what it's like to play on this type of team. He used to be played with the Denver Nuggets or the Sixers where he was the maligned player. But to see Curry and Thompson have the reactions they did, not just to Kevin Durant, but to what they put together the last five years it was really eye-opening. It was a very cathartic night last night. Yeah, it was a great piece of video, Zoom, and I'm glad you refreshed my memory of it. It was Iguodala holding him and steadying him from behind with Steph Curry, who, as you mentioned, had left the floor to escort his guy uh, back to the locker room. Zoom, but I want to ask you, the uh, Nick Nurse is getting a lot of criticism come his way. Now, Trent corrected me on uh, earlier when, because I didn't know, and I'm still not 100% sure, but Trent uh, saw this from somewhere that apparently Kyle Lowry wanted the first timeout called. Uh, I have no knowledge whether that's right or wrong, so I'll defer to Trent because he's, he saw that. So the first one is on Kyle Lowry, but then for Nick Nurse to follow that up by using another timeout when seemingly Clay Thompson and Steph Curry were on fumes, and understandably so, uh, late in the fourth quarter as they took over and tried to you know, pick up the slack from Durant as much as they could, who was off to a terrific start, allowing Golden State to get their wind and to stop a, a 10 nothing or I think it was a 10-2 Kawhi Leonard run, um, taking the lead, taking the momentum. I didn't certainly didn't like Nick Nurse's second timeout. If Lowry called the first one, so be it. But for Nick Nurse to call another one back-to-back, I thought that, you know, this one's going to sting and potentially leave a mark. Yeah, I mean, that was a tough one. You're talking 103-97, two and a half minutes to go. Kawhi had just been on fire. We had run a stat last night after the game that teams that are up six points in two and a half minutes to go in the NBA Finals, it's almost an automatic wrap. There was a couple of exceptions in the 90s, 92, 93, and last night. I mean, that's what you're talking about in terms of having that sort of lead over the course of 20 years. 
and being able to hold on and win. My initial reaction was Nick Nurse knows the team better than anybody. Nick Nurse has been able to essentially guide this team to this point, and he kind of knows their heartbeat. And at that particular juncture, I guess you're right. Maybe one more basket probably does the Warriors in. Then you're down eight, maybe nine points with about two and a half minutes to go. But there was a technical reason why I called it as well, and there's a little bit of minutia. And I'm going to have I have the quote right here because I was talking about it with somebody else today. This is from Nurse after the game on the timeout. Quote, we had two free throws that once you lose under the three-minute mark, and we just came across and decided to give those guys arrest that has a longer term implication from the nba reducing the number of timeouts in a game from 18 to 14 in terms of the two teams combined so that's a very nuanced explanation that i think in the moment most people weren't thinking about but obviously as a head coach nick nurse was certainly thinking about it this is certainly something the nba wants to do they definitely wanted to improve game flow pace of play fewer stoppages in that moment in a vacuum i agree it probably might have stymied a little bit of their momentum he also may have wanted to talk defensive strategy. Let's just say we don't score here, or let's say we do. How are we going to defend Curry? We saw Curry go off for 47 points when we tried to game plan for him with the box and one in a winning effort. What are we going to do if Thompson springs free? Obviously, those things happen. So it may not just have been a situation to stymie it offensively. He may have wanted to talk about their game plan and alignment defensively. That's the macro point. But the micro point there was obviously the reduction in timeouts of Nurse knowing that he probably needed to call it there if he wanted anything to happen in terms of a stoppage of play. But I think you can second-guess that. Nurse was obviously asked about it after the game. Uh, he didn't seem to be too beat up about it at all, and that's probably the ethos of the Raptors. You saw how it happened after they walked off the court in game four, as business as usual. They walked off the court the same way in this fashion, and we'll see how they respond Thursday night. But I'm not going to beat up Nurse about it because I think there was a lot more than just offensive flow that had to do with that timeout. And the same token is I don't think anybody's got a heartbeat on the team better than Nick Nurse, and most of the decisions he's made have worked out pretty well. Zubin, in a game where Golden State goes 20 of 42 from three, they get 11 points from Kevin Durant that they're not going to get going forward. I know it's Golden State. I know it's a champion going for their fourth in the last five years. But even with all that, it just still feels like Toronto is the better team on my side of it. How do you see the series with two, possibly two more games to go? It's funny. I think if the Warriors were to come back and win this series, obviously the storybook phenomenon flips, right? The storybook was going to be the Raptors winning this thing and giving Canada its first title. And now the storybook scenario is basically in favor of the Warriors winning this one for KD, if you will, mm-hmm. sort of a win this one for the Gipper type mentality. So I think you have a look at it and say, you know, what would really be the fantasy story here? And now it's actually flipped to the team that's looking for a sports title in five years. I would say this, though. If the Raptors win this series, I don't think there's any doubt in the moment people are going to say, well, that's because Kevin Durant is out. That's because Steph Curry's been banged up. That's because Clay missed a game. Because Kevon Looney was supposed to be out for the series, came back, played, grimaced his way through another game. But I would tell you this, 1989 NBA Finals, and I know my man A.G. back there is a big Lakers fan. 1989 NBA Finals, Magic Johnson plays 75 minutes in the final. Byron Scott doesn't play. Lakers lose to the Pistons. It's 2019. When we talk about the 1989 NBA Finals, what are we talking about? We're talking about the Pistons, first of two titles, back-to-back bad boys, until Michael Jordan showed up on the scene and changed the entire league. I don't think we look back and say, well, you know, the Lakers probably would have won that series if they weren't so banged up with Magic Johnson playing just 75 minutes 
and Byron Scott, a member of Showtime, not playing. I think in the moment people would have said, well, there's probably an asterisk by the Pistons title. But as time goes on, the bottom line is the Pistons have a banner and they're the champions. So if the Raptors go on to win this series, I do believe initially there will be a tidal wave of emotion that basically says, well, yeah, but, you know, yeah, but LeBron left the East. Yeah, but somebody had to get to the finals besides LeBron. And look at how banged up the Warriors were. But as more and more time goes on, if the Raptors are to win this series, I believe they will probably, in the benefit of hindsight, everything changes with time, as you know. We all soften a little bit with time. I think it'll be seen more as a Raptors title 10, 15, 20 years down the road. 10, 15, 20 seconds after they win the title, people would love to tell you how much it was because the Warriors were banged up. So I think it's a short-term and long-term answer, Trent, depending on if the Raptors win and how we'll view it accordingly. Zubin, is there one guy on, on, on both teams, a Golden State player and a Raptors player that, you know, as you've watched this series go along, that you thought, you know, I didn't realize this guy had such a big impact on this team, or he's better than I thought. Is, is there one guy on either team or both teams that, uh, that falls into that category for you? For sure, Siakam for the Raptors. Uh-huh. And I'll tell you this, Dwayne Casey was the NBA's coach of the year last year, which is quite the irony when he won the coach of the year award at the NBA awards last June and had already been fired by the Raptors to bring Nick Nurse to the table. But it stands to reason Pascal Siakam did not play last year uh, under Dwayne Casey. That's a big miss for Dwayne Casey. And that is a huge check mark in the corner of Nick Nurse. So I think that's one thing you have to keep into account. I think obviously Siakam improved his game. He had 32 points. He was a breakout star of game one, played excellent in game three as well. Um, yesterday, he had a couple of opportunities. I thought he missed. Uh, he and Ibaka both had some corner threes. Not that they're great three-point shooters, but basically everybody on the floor today in the NBA has to be able to shoot the three. And they missed a bunch of wide-open shots. So that was something to be aware of. But I think in in totality, so, I mean, to me, it has to be Siakam. He's up to the NBA's most improved player award at the NBA Awards this year. And I certainly think he's got the inside track to hopefully take it because I think he's proved that it's been a great story. Uh, indeed. So I would say I would say from the Raptors' standpoint, I would definitely say Siakam, mostly because he was on the roster just waiting to play. Mm-hmm. And I think for the Warriors, this is an odd answer because you have to pick somebody that's a little under the radar, but I would go with Kevon Looney. I really think Me they're too. happy yep. with Kevon Looney. They, they really love him, and I understand when that freight train named Kawhi Leonard ran into him, and they ruled him out for the series. I remember him in his one year of college. He didn't have this sort of impact. It's sort of like Siakam, Ken. Siakam played it New Mexico State, and I know me, you, and Trent watch a lot of college basketball, and I'm struggling to come up with <laughs> really? any reference yeah. to Pascal Siakam he ever had at New Mexico State, and I can't come up with it. So I thought Looney's been terrific. He's obviously been a little bit banged up in this series, although it was very gutty to get out there last night. He's under a team-friendly deal. He's progressed the way Jordan Bell has not. There's a bunch of young Warriors players who they're hoping to take the next step. Occasionally, you'll see a flash from McKinney. Occasionally, you'll see a shooting uh, you know, splash from Quinn Cook like we did in Game 2. But those things never tend to be consistent. Uh, Jordan Bell tend to be a little bit immature off the floor. There's been some off-the-court issues with him. But Looney has been the one young, manageable, moderately-priced player who I think they've been really, really, really happy with. So those were probably the two guys. Zubin, last thing, we have uh, like 90 seconds before first pitch uh, down at Principal Park High School Baseball coming up here. Uh, do we have uh, – are you working Sunday night uh, recapping a Game 7? Does it end on Thursday? Do we get a Game 7? we got 20 seconds, Zubin. I think we got a Game 7, and it'll be amazing to watch Father's Day with Kepka going for three in a row, or maybe Tiger winning at the U.S. Open, or maybe Phil winning it after six runner-up finishes. 
And after that, we can settle in for a game seven. I know you don't like to get off the recliner, so... Ken, you can be comatose sitting in that thing Sunday watching those two events. And I will be indeed. Zubin, great stuff, my friend. Thank you. We'll talk to you next week. Appreciate it, Zub. You got it, guys. Enjoy the game. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely will. Uh, Zubin Mahente from ESPN. Trent, I'm throwing it to break, and then we're throwing it to you as we kind of do this on the fly. That sounds great. First pitch right around the corner from Principal Park, Van Meter and I-35. That's coming up. Coming up at 2 o'clock, we've got Murph and Andy. Fanatics at 4 and... By golly, on Wednesday, we'll start things with the morning rush. Cappy joins Trent and I tomorrow. David Kaplan is part of the program. Look forward to that. High school baseball coming up. Thank you to Andrew Downs for sitting in here today. Back tomorrow. Murph and Andy at 2, Fanatics at 4. It's 1460 KXNO.